Super Tuesday coming at you. Thanks for joining us. I'm James. We got a lot of fun stuff to talk about. I've got Andrew Fantasia on the other line waiting to jump on. Almost like if we were on dial-up right now. That's how we would be. Andrew Fantasia, welcome to the show, my man. Hello, hello. Do you remember how dial-up phones used to have, like, some of them had three buttons at the bottom, one for fire, one for police, one for ambulance, and they were red, blue, and green? Do you remember this? (laughs) No. For some reason, ambulance means green. That's the two of them supposedly go together. Well, go, right? Go. You got to go, 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 go. Yeah, that's true. I can see that. I can see that making, that makes no sense at all to me <laughs> whatsoever. It's Super Tuesday. We haven't done this in a while, Andrew. Thanks a lot for uh, being here today on Dial-Up Tuesday. Oh, no problem. Thanks for having me. Um, you, my, my contract stated that I get to plug my books no matter what happens. So I'm happy for that. <laughs> yes. You are plugging your books, plugging them away. I'm on a futon, by the way. I'm just... I'm cheerioing on a futon in my plumbing outfit, going to Hogwarts Academy all at the same time. I yeah. don't think I've seen this futon before. Uh, you will in a couple of days. Yes, I will. <laughs> yeah, we'll put it that way. You'll see it in a couple of days for sure. It's coming up. Um, yeah, it's it's. You'll see it in a couple. Of, it's <laughs> that sounds weird, but yeah, it's a futon. I was. I just did. Uh, tomorrow's going to go up. I taught. I gush over this movie right here, Super Mario Brother, nineteen ninety three. Bob Hoskins, John Leguizamo. I gush over this on a video coming up tomorrow because I love it, Andrew. I am a big fan of that movie. I'm not saying it's a good movie, and I'm not recommending anyone but you watches that movie, but just know that it's one that I absolutely adore. I'm looking very, very forward to finally getting to see it for the first time uh, when I come by. It blows my mind that you haven't seen it yet. Like, it's... Like somehow you you've seen um, Street Fighter and Double Dragon. Well, I never saw Street Fighter actually, but you saw Double. Dra- how did you see Double Dragon and not? I don't know how I saw Double Dragon, but funny story. When you bought me Street Fighter, right? Like when I watched it, I was having so much fun watching it, and I was literally just thinking to myself, "I want to watch Double Dragon again." And I was out today running errands and, and stuff and shopping, and uh, I was in a Walmart and they had an end cap full of double dragons for like five bucks each. So I DVD? purchased, yeah, DVD. I don't think there's a Blu-ray. So I purchased it today for five single dollaros. I, I have the, I want to know if you have the same DVD of it. I have, I have it on DVD. I bought it months ago because I got, so I got you street fighter on Blu-ray because I got myself street fighter on Blu-ray like months ago. Uh-huh. And I was like, Oh, this is, I'm going to get this for Fantasia. And, and, uh, Aaron, my wife was like, you're an idiot. So, but when I went to get it, they didn't have it anymore. So I had to get you the one with doom. Um, and I see that you had the same opinion of doom as I did. So that's good. That's, a, <laughs> that's always a bonus. Doom was, uh, yeah, doom was what I expected doom to be, but, uh, no, I think the, the double dragon I picked up, it has a clear box. It's not black. It's clear. And the image on the front of the DVD is really, really bad. <laughs> like, it's just, it looks like a photocopy of a photocopy. Yeah, I think that's the one I have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's awful. It's <laughs> awful. Yeah, no, I think that's the one I have. All right, speaking of awful, I'm just joking. We're going to move on now to our first topic of the day. That's Blue Beetle, Mr. Fantasia. The Blue Beetle, we've been talking about this movie when we were doing the show on the regular 
a year ago, we talked about this movie regularly. It was one of my most anticipated movies, along with Batgirl, R.I.P. But Blue Beetle finally released its trailer yesterday. But since since we've been talking about this, so much has happened. Like, like the DC universe went from being a hot mess to like, I don't know what, I don't know where it is right now. Uh, it's somewhere between hot mess and pitiful. Uh, like Shazam, Shazam isn't even going to make the same amount of money that like, you know, Double Dragon made. Like it's on, like it's not making money at all. Mm, that's sad. So it's really sad. And I know a lot of people like the first movie, so not sure why they didn't come up for the second one. And then you have, so you have all that aside. James Gunn comes in now and he's like, Henry Cavill's out. No more Henry Cavill. Uh, and we're going to have, you know, Aquaman might still be around. It might still be Jason Momoa, but it's probably, he's probably going to be Lobo. And, and But Blue Beetle somehow, like, it's kind of like there's the Flash coming out in June, which is going to reset the... Here's the confusing thing, Andrew. <laughs> Blue Beetle is going to reset the DC universe. Right. Or, sorry, the, the flash the flash is going to you're reset making the, it more confusing the flat the flash is going to reset the dc universe uh-huh. and then blue beetle comes out two months later and now i'm hearing that james gunn he's he's praising the movie online which he has to do because they still don't want these movies to bomb right well like, is he just gonna like are they just gonna let this movie come out and hope like forget about it and then like move on and do what they want to do. Cause or, or here's what I want to ask you is cause I don't, first we'll get your opinion of the movie. Then you can answer or the opinion of the trailer then answer this. Or do you think they're waiting to see what the response is to blue beetle when it comes out? Are they waiting? Are they like, Hey, we're going to do this. Uh, your movie tanked. Blue Beetle's no longer a part of our plans. Or, hey, your movie did really well. We're going to incorporate Blue Beetle more. Like, where? So, what did you think of the trailer, and where do you think they stand on that? The trailer I thought looked pretty cool. It looks like a fun, fun film. Um, I was thinking this while I saw the trailer, and then I saw somebody else put it to words, and I'm like, yeah, that's exactly what it is. Is they said it looks like Iron Man plus Venom equals Blue Beetle. Uh, like it's it's just a guy with a cool suit and it's from space and it does all kinds of things and it turns him into a superpowered person. Uh, he's uh, Jaime is this really cool, pretty big name DC character that we've never gotten to see get the big screen treatment or as far as I know, even the small screen treatment. I don't even think the CW tackled this guy. Uh, I could be wrong. I kind of stopped halfway through the CW stuff. Uh, but- he was, I believe he was in Smallville for like a second and a half. Probably and and, and, and look, I'm, I'm with you, but also Injustice Two though, Injustice yes. Two, he's great in that. Anyway, yes. so I continue. Um, and hey, I I love Smallville. You, you and I, when we the day we met, we gushed about Smallville. So you know, I'm I'm not a Smallville hater, but a superhero being on Smallville literally meant it was probably just a guy with a blue jacket who used the word beetle at one point. Like that's how yeah. Smallville rolled. Um. So I liked this trailer a lot. I don't know why, but I think this is a Mandela effect thing happening, but the character that Susan Sarandon is playing, for the past like eight months, I thought that character was being played by Carrie Ann Moss. I just had in my head that Carrie Ann Moss is playing the villain of Blue Beetle. So I don't know where that came from. I've been living in a parallel universe, but 
DC or rather Warner Brothers doing what they're doing with this, I have a feeling, now this is apropos of nothing, James, this is just my feeling just based on stuff that has been talked about and stuff I've read and rumors, but the uh, the Blue Beetle movie, I, I think that parts of it were whatever the reason, maybe parts of it were changed, maybe parts of it weren't, but I feel like James Gunn got to see this movie early because of course he gets to see it early. And I feel like he decided this will fit in what I'm putting out there. This is going to fit in my DC cinematic universe because I remember around the time we lost Batgirl, RIP, there were talks of Blue Beetle meeting the same fate. There were, it, it was almost 50-50. Like Zaslav was eyeing it. And, and you know, this is just speculative. I don't know if this is 100% true, but I, I heard Zaslav was eyeing it to be like, yeah, we don't need this either. Nobody cares about Blue Beetle. Let's get rid of that. So I spent the last few months feeling like this movie was in that kind of danger. And now along comes this nice little trailer to say that that's not the case. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm curious if maybe Gunn saw the early cut and told the higher ups at WB, like, hey, don't touch this. I can make this work with what we're doing moving forward. You don't have to put this on the chopping block, uh, which would be nice. Uh, but I I don't know how true that might be. Is this I, a, a movie that you think they would have axed? Like, does, do you think this looks like that kind of film? No, this one was safe. It was safe from the get-go, apparently. It was meant to be a... I think this is what saved it, though. Was Batgirl was made for HBO Max. Yeah. And then when Zaslav came in, he was like, we're not putting the money in HBO Max. We're putting the money in in theatrical. And and so back... I think... The, and but, but Blue Beetle was made for HBO Max. But then, during... Uh, before Zaslav's time, they upped it to theatrical. Like, before he came in, they made it a theatrical film. So the budget expanded. I think the script got stronger. Uh-huh. And whatnot. Whereas Batgirl, I think the thing with Batgirl is Batgirl was probably a fine movie. It was probably fine. They call it irredeemable and blah blah. The reality is it probably it had a TV, probably a small budget. It probably had like the budget of like the Mandalorian for like or probably less than the Mandalorian for like uh for a two-hour movie, whatever it would have been. And I don't think that would have translated. And I think the reason why it got and look, I was the biggest Batgirl supporter. Go back, look at I was all in on it. And I think the thing is, if you go back, if you think about it, you have a made-for-TV movie, basically. They don't want that anymore. They want it in the theater. They didn't think it would make a dime in the theater. It probably wouldn't have done well for them in theater. Plus, they knew before James Gunn was coming in that they were having someone new come in, and they didn't know. And the other problem was they didn't know what the future of these movies were. Which is a big problem, right? And that was a problem that I think Shazam 2 faced a little bit of. Mm-hmm. I think it was a problem that Blue Beetle's going to face. The Flash is facing a million other problems as well as that one. Aquaman might even have the same fate. Because if... And, you know, I've seen people be like, well, you go see a movie to see the movie. And I completely agree. Like, you're going to go see, like, a good person in the theater to watch a good person, not the good person cinematic universe. But when it comes to superhero films, they've they've evolved from Batman, Batman Returns, Batman Forever to the MCU. Like it is expanded to the MCU. You expect them to, and that was, and it, look, you know, I'm a big, you know, I'm a big Man of Steel fan. For me, it's probably, it might be my favorite 
comic book movie of all time. It's right around. It's very high on my list. I love that movie. But that movie came out at the wrong time because the dark there was the Dark Knight, and everyone was like, "The Dark Knight's the greatest." And then this little movie called Iron Man kind of like stepped in, mm-hmm. and people didn't like Iron Man as much as the Dark Knight. I'm not gonna say because that's true. They it didn't is true. Have, yeah. But but Iron Man, they slid in Nick Fury at the end, and then they were like, "By the way, bigger things are coming," and people were like, "What?" And now it's been what 15 years of that mentality going to superhero movies superhero movies not regular dramas no one's like i need the everything everywhere all at once multi well i guess you could do but i don't need the, i don't need the, that universe and i don't need the uh all quiet on the western front cinematic universe it's like they're like but when it's superheroes that's different and i think people feel that and shazam 2 it's weird that I don't know if that many people are in tune with the James Gunn stuff, like outside of people who are like obsessed with these things, but maybe more people are. And they're just like, I'm not willing to go see it for me. Also though, let me know what you think of this for Shazam too, is I thought the trailers were pretty awful. Yeah. The Shazam two trailers really didn't do it for me. And I love Shazam one. I thought Shazam one was one of the best movies that the initial DCEU even put out. And I love the Marvel family that like Shazam and his, his homies, like those kids, like they're, that is a super cool concept for a comic book character. Uh, and in fact, I saw somebody today who was bad mouthing the movie, who gave them the new movie a bad review because they thought the character that Zachary Levi plays is too childish. And I'm like, you know, you're watching Shazam, right? <laughs> like, I don't understand. Anyway. Um, I, Unfortunately, haven't made it out to see Shazam 2 uh, as of yet. But yeah, those trailers didn't help. And I I get what you mean. We shouldn't have to expect, you know, we should be able to just go to a movie and watch that movie for that movie. But DC is, you know, trying to brand itself as the same kind of thing that Marvel is. And on top of that, it is currently on fire, like in a bad way. So... I understand why this movie is underperforming. I understand why people might look at this and either think, A, that trailer just doesn't look good, so I don't care, or B, I would like to see this, but I feel like Warner Brothers doesn't care about it, so why should I? I think that's the two types of people who are not going to see Shazam. Uh, And whatever the categories you fall in, I think I understand. Uh, So as a guy who loves Shazam 1, even I am not excited to see Shazam 2 otherwise I would have gone already I'm just not you know I'm not like chomping at the bit to go like I was with Dungeons and Dragons which I just saw today and I loved I thought it was great uh it just didn't create that kind of fever pitch that and that's based on all these factors did you feel like the studio doesn't care or were you in the camp of yeah just the trailers didn't do it I'm not sure where I am like because because the studio cared because they had to care because there's money on the line. Yeah. So, so like, I don't know. I just like, I liked Shazam one. I wasn't as high on it as a lot of people. Um, I own, I do own it. I, and I, I, I think I got it in a, as like a two pack with another movie, but like I own Shazam and I watch it and I see my parents condo in it all the time. And I'm like, and, and it's this, I don't know. It just, the second one, the trailers were so bad. And then you have Black Adam, which 
stumbled, right? I never mm-hmm. saw Black Adam. I tried watching it on on TV. I couldn't do it. I tried watching Black Adam. And so you have Black Adam stumbling, and then Shazam got bumped from December to March. And March, is it, it was March or February. Either way, it's like it's, you're post-COVID, so people are, ex- people are excited to go back to the theater. I think Avatar 2... John Wick, I think those like there's proof that people, and I think Mario Brothers is going to be proof as well. There's proof that people want to go to see movies. So why don't they want to see Shazam? And I think it like you said, I think it is all of the above. I think it's it's the trailer stunk. Uh, the first movie people liked the first movie. I don't think people loved the first movie, and the box office for it kind of proved that. Where people are like, that was entertaining, and it's kind of like a move on. You know, I'll watch you in in 48, 45 days on HBO max. I think that's where people's heads are. It's like, they liked it. They, they, you know, it's fine. And I don't know. And my concern is now with blue beetle is blue beetle looks great. And, and one thing that I, that it really kind of always struck me with this production was how much the, the cast and crew, most of the crew loved this movie. They were all in on this movie. They were excited. The director came out and was like gushing about it. And that's what you want from a director, right? Someone passionate about the project they're working on. And now I'm concerned with Blue Beetle. Is it going to get lost in the shuffle? And after the flash, like, are people going to go see the flash? Because the thing is, if people, I, the other thing too with Shazam though is it came out after Thor, Love and Thunder, Ant Man, and Doctor Strange, and Black Adam, and all of those movies. From what I've heard, not from you, is that people were very underwhelmed by all of those movies. And we're going to talk a little bit in a bit about superhero fatigue and that could also play the factor on shazam because shazam doesn't have the cachet of batman superman iron man like the big boys but but the thing that could be working in blue beetle's favor is it doesn't have that but it's also an unknown like it's such an unknown that you might be willing to go i'm the trailers are doing it for me i'm gonna take a chance on this little no known superhero Mm. and most people like I played Injustice too. That's like my first real introduction to Blue Beetle. I I saw I think him in a cartoon or one of the Batman cartoons, and then Smallville obviously. But Injustice was where I really and I was like I I love that character in Injustice. Blue Beetle. If you haven't played Injustice two, is one of the it's probably top two characters for me to be because he's just other than like Donatello, like phenomenal. <laughs> <laughs> like I love playing as Blue Beetle, and and that got me very excited. And and so I'm worried though that that all of this negativity is is building, building, building. In August, it's either going to come at a head or we're going to be past it by then. Yeah. Well, I think you're right about Blue Beetle having that kind of, that fresh, new, here's this character you haven't had the chance to see before shine on the screen. Here he is, and he's shining like a blue diamond. Because one other factor about Shazam 2. And I, I don't want to turn this into the let's go Shazam 2 party. I really don't. I, I love Shazam 1. I'm sure Shazam 2 is, is cool too. But Oh, sure you uh, are. <laughs> one other thing that I think a lot of people, a lot of the DC fans in particular are kind of just disappointed with and is uh, it has to do with cliffhangers, James. Uh, not, not exactly cliffhangers, but it has to do with uh, the idea of a stinger or a cliffhanger. And I talked about this. I made a video about it when um, Avatar when, when Avatar came out. Yeah, about how there's a big difference between a movie that ends on a cliffhanger and just a stinger. 
um, and cliffhangers are much more rare. And the main difference is that the cliffhanger is so integral to the story you just watched that it kind of needs to keep happening. Like you need to follow through on it. Uh, John Wick movies are another great example, but stingers are an empty promise. Stingers are a maybe. Uh, Netflix shows all end in stingers and Shazam one has this credit scene where yeah. they introduce this other big Shazam villain, Mr. Mind, this little caterpillar guy, and he's nowhere to be seen in this sequel. So it's like, you're going to set up a part two and then not follow through on that promise. And then to top it all off, not only do you not follow through on that promise, but our villains are, I mean, I love Helen Mirren. I love Lucy Liu, but, I don't know a single DC fan who cares about these characters they're playing. Like the the daughters of Atlas, great. Who who gives a crap? Like you have you have promised this other villain. You have this amazing Shazam villain lined up in Dwayne the Rock Johnson's character, and you're gonna push both of those aside and be like, well, "Here's this." The Rock didn't want to do it. Yeah. Yeah, I understand. Yeah, because the like the, the rock not know what role he was taking. And the other <laughs> thing too is spoil I don't want to spoil anything, but I have heard that that character does make an appearance in this movie. But again, if, if you're not gonna mention it, like let people know, mm. then what's then what's the point? All right, let's move on to our next topic. James Gunn uh, went through like his DC stuff and blah 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 blah. And he made mention of superhero fatigue. Superhero movie fatigue, and we and like we kind of talked a little bit about it, and and it is is it superhero fatigue though, Andrew? Like, are we getting too many superhero movies and shows? I would argue whether it's fatigue or not, we are, and I think uh, Marvel is going to be taking a step back and focus on quality. Like, there was just too much happening, right? Like, every one would end, the next one would start. It would end and start. It's like I need a breather, but that's not to say anybody was fatigued. They all got views. The movies didn't make as much money. I thought Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness was destined for, uh, I don't know how much, I thought it was going to make over a billion dollars. I don't know if it did. I thought it was destined to make more than it did is all I know. It didn't. Although I also heard it didn't utilize the multiverse as well as most people thought it would either. So that could be a fact. Like if you threw in like Andrew Garfield, you probably would make a billion dollars. Anyway, well, that, that's besides the point. But there's a difference between superhero fatigue and superhero half-assing it let's say that like 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 you know what i mean like it's like are we getting tired of superhero movies are we getting tired of getting bs superhero movies that aren't pulling their full weight i'll tell you what i do have is i have superhero fatigue fatigue is i'm fatigued of hearing people <laughs> talk about superhero fatigue um i mean it, i think it comes down to a semantics issue really like are you fatigued by superhero movies or are you fatigued by bad superhero movies? Because yes, the nature of these is that they're all connected and you know, it would behoove you to watch them all to get the bigger picture, but nobody's forcing you to watch everything. Mm -hmm. um, and yes, last year we did have a lot of MCU stuff. Uh, I'm looking particularly in the blue corner where Disney plus is because th those Disney plus shows, they just kept on coming. Uh, and I think about it like now compared to then this time last year, Ryan and I, we had like 20 episodes of infinity rewatch that we had yeah. made because we had gone through like two shows in a movie. So it was nice to not have that 
much coming in. And you're right, Feige seemed to take notes because Secret Invasion, I think, is supposed to have already come out, but now it's everything's just being slowly drip fed, and we're not getting that till June. Uh, and they're they're pacing things at a much uh, they're they're letting us get hungry before they put more food on our plate, which is nice. I enjoy that. I uh, I don't think I will ever be fatigued by the MCU though personally because just you're a the, shill. The, so yes, I am a shill. I'm getting oh thank you thank you very much, Kevin. There's my check. Sorry. Uh, no. I will not be getting fatigued by it anytime soon, just for no other reason than it would be hypocritical of me to do so, because this is literally what I've wanted since I was a little kid. Ever since Fox gave me those cartoons, <laughs> these kinds of, basically taking that and putting them in movie form is what I have wanted since childhood. So I'm not going to stand here and say, I don't want this now, because it just won't make sense to me. Um, I would be fatigued if every one of these was like trash and they didn't realize that and just kept making them. But, you know, first of all, one person's trash is another person's gold. I'm sure there are lots of people out there who liked, um, but hey, there you go, Super Mario Brothers. It's the complete truth. Um, Ryan and I both adored Multiverse of Madness. Did they use the multiverse to the full extent? Absolutely not. But it's still a great movie. Uh, it's a great Doctor Strange movie. I think, I think the Multiverse of Madness prob. I haven't seen it, so I can't speak to anything. Ah. But I think I saw the first like five or ten minutes, but I was forced to, and I said, I wasn't in the. I like I wasn't willing to watch a whole movie. That's why it turned off. It wasn't because right. I don't like it. But I, I think honestly, though, is you call it the Multiverse of Madness, and they don't. All I keep hearing is that they didn't utilize the multiverse. And the thing is, I think. And I don't even think this was Marvel's fault. There was too much buildup about who was going to appear because of No Way Home, though. It was like everybody's like, who's going to appear in Multiverse of Madness? There's going to be all these cameos, you know, and everybody built up in the head like Wolverine's going to show up and Rogue. <laughs> and every X-Men was going to be in that movie. And Fantastic Four was going to show up. And I guess it kind of did. Like, there's like, I think that was a problem with that movie. I, again, I haven't seen it, so I can't talk to it to it but i mean sam raymond is a great director and everything but uh like i i I feel like they lost there whereas i want to know your opinion of thor love and thunder i know you did a review on it and everything but now you've had a year almost to settle on it you've probably seen it once or twice or 10 times since do the goats annoy you i haven't seen that either by the way no well first of all that that whole thing about expecting cameos and not getting them is not the movie's fault it is no no it is not marvel's fault yeah yeah um Calling it Multiverse of Madness, you know, does that track with what we got in the movie? Maybe, maybe not. Again, it depends what you were expecting. Remember, one of the greatest titles ever, Friday the 13th Part 8, Jason Takes Manhattan. Jason is not in Manhattan for a very long time because they could only afford to shoot there for like a night. Yeah, but he, but he <laughs> took it. But he did there, take he took, it. He took he it. He yeah. absolutely <laughs> took it. Um, so we really, you know, are, we can't let our expectations uh, you know, have expectations and sure, if they don't get met, it's okay to be a little disappointed, but don't take it out on the people who didn't even know what your expectations were. Thor Love and Thunder, I've only seen once. Mm. Um, I've only... Uh, Do you I, own it? I think somebody got it for me, yeah. I think my mom got it for me for like Christmas or something, 
Um, I haven't rewatched it yet. I I tend to watch new stuff more than I rewatch old stuff. Um, oh, polar opposites. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, but, like sitting, I'm sitting with the, like the last movie I watched. Joe's. <laughs> it's a great poster. It is. Home um, Depot. Home Depot. Oh my god! I didn't know they had yeah. pictures at Home Depot. Years ago, this Pulp Fiction and something else. Yeah. Oh, cool. <laughs> I know. Uh, so I have to pop my head back into Love and Thunder again, but the goats did not annoy me. They weren't, I think they stopped just short of being overdone. Okay. Uh, the only thing that I just remember, the biggest takeaway from that film was just what a lot of people seemed to take away from it was it felt very low stakes, even though the stakes were high. I, yeah. It's they They really... And it's tricky because, again, we, we don't want to come off sounding like, like hypocrites. We loved, at least I can only speak for myself, I loved what YTV did with Ragnarok. Yeah, I and did too. And he got the flavor of Thor right. So I can't just sit here and say, well, it's bad now because I said so. But just something about using that same bunch of ingredients to make this th- different recipe didn't quite taste right. It It clashed with it. It was a very serious high stakes heavy story and it was treated like i think it was john campia who said this i I can't take credit for it but it was treated like just a mid-range episode of a thor tv show and not a thor movie uh and i think that was just my biggest takeaway from it was it's an enjoyable flick but it really deserved to be treated with a bit more gravitas than it ended up being treated with that's how i feel i don't know and you you have seen love and thunder you haven't no, I, I like Ragnarok quite a bit, but Love and Thunder. So here's the thing: um, I just haven't, I haven't, I haven't seen a movie. We're going to see Mario Brothers in a couple days, three, four mm-hmm. days, whatever it is. That will be the first time I've set foot in a movie theater since Morbius. Because I, because Morbius, when I saw it, and you can see my review here on this channel, I thought it was the greatest movie ever made. So I just <laughs> I hadn't gone back to the theaters. No, I haven't. I wasn't able to go to the movies at all in the last like year basically like it's been a year i haven't been able to i just haven't been able to go get the time to go see them and then it comes on on disney plus and i'm like yeah i just i just i just don't and then i gotta find something else to watch and or i just watch the same five movies over and over again all the time um i I, but i and i think i was in i was intrigued by love and thunder i was intrigued by multiverse of madness and then you hear people come out and they say uh, you know, it was too. They, they focused too much on the jokes, and they didn't take it seriously enough. And then this was a waste. The multiverse of madness was a waste. And and I I just kind of wonder why I would why I would sit and watch the movies if I'm going to feel nothing. Do you know? Like like because there there were movies that I was kind of fringe. Excited. Like I love the first Doctor Strange, but I was kind of fringe. Like I was on the like I wasn't really fully in on this. And they lost the director. I know Sam Raimi's great and everything, but it's also Sam Raimi, and he's he did like fantastic work with Spider Man, but this is a different world. So I, I don't know. It just for me, it was I just didn't feel like it. And and I know you hate the word superhero fatigue, and I'm kind of annoyed with it as well. But I feel like I I'm the I've fallen victim to it more than probably anyone, um, because I I do sit and and then I see like the su- like James Gunn Suicide Squad, and I love that. And then I see um, the Batman, and I love that. 
and then I see Morbius and I kind of like enjoy, I did enjoy Morbius probably more than most people and more than I legally should have. Not to say it was a good movie, but I think I was expecting it to be a lot worse. The, the post credit scenes are the, two of the worst things I've ever put on film. But I, I, I don't know. And then I watched uh, WandaVision. And I was like, eh. Hawkeye was amazing because it was Christmas time. But like, it just, it felt like it was just nonstop to me. And they all, and this is where the fatigue comes in, is they all felt the same. There wasn't enough differentiating. And I know everyone's high on WandaVision, but when it ended, it felt pointless and the same. You know, it just kind of like, and I still don't forgive them for their Ralph Boner joke <laughs> because it wasn't good. Like it just, it, it wasn't good. As I choke are my words. And I think you agree with me though on that one where, because they came out and they're like, well, we we could fool the audience. Like, no, there's a difference between being genuine with your audience and then BSing your And they did because that wasn't a genuine uh, bait and switch, right? Like, it's, like, I don't think it was what they thought it was. And that annoyed me. And then I never saw Everybody Loves Loki. I didn't, and I just didn't bother watching them. because Everybody like, Loves Loki. <laughs> that's the new, that's season two. But yeah. I just stopped watching them because I was like, I don't know. Am I just going to feel like disappointed? It wasn't really disappointing. It was like, why am I watching? I felt this way unpopularly with The Last of Us, where I'm just like, every time I watch, I'm like, why am I watching this? I'm not, enjoy- <laughs> I'm not enjoying it. So why am I bothered? So that's why I am with superhero movies, is if you throw one at me, and Blue Beetle might be one, I think, like, The Flash is probably one, but, like, throw one at me. Guardians of the Galaxy 3, I haven't been crazy about the trailers for it, but the first two are so good. And the first one's like, was my fault. Like, convince me to go back to the theater. Like, convince me to watch these movies. And I think it comes down to uh, creativity and quality control more than the output of them. But one, I think they go hand in hand. Yeah, quality control is obviously important. But I, I personally don't understand. You hear the phrase superhero fatigue bandied about so much and I don't understand who exactly it is who is saying it because there's two kinds of people there's people who want to go watch superhero movies and people who are not interested in them right that that's it so well no I think there's the gray area now where there's the people who like going to see them are now saying what I just like I think they're seeing the quality went down like a lot of people were uh hard on She-Hulk and mm-hmm. I mean, I was the only one, like Hawkeye people didn't like, so I liked it, but nobody else seems to really like it. And like, and, and you just, you kind of see those comments where it's like, oh, the Marvel humor's back. And I think that's what's taking people off. And I get it. Like, I, I will say, I will say Marvel and they're kind of, they kind of started to do it. I think Werewolf by Night was a great thing for them to do is they can't, they I mean, they could, but they can't go full R-rated, I don't think, because it should still be like, like, teenagers should be allowed to go see a Marvel movie. Like, kids should see a Marvel movie. They're freaking comic book movies. But, like, at the same time, I think you need to really differentiate between, you know, one's a, one could be more humorous than the other, but th- that one doesn't have to be goofy, right? It could be a little bit more serious in tone and nature. For sure. Mix it up. Um, I just, I want people to remember that, particularly when I say people, I mean the people who talk about having superhero fatigue and who are genuine about having it, um, that there are options 
I mean, did if you look at the numbers, just look at the box office numbers, those people out there who, if you say you have superhero fatigue and you're sick of Marvel movies and superhero movies, did you go watch 65? Did you go watch Megan and Brother and The Menu and The Banshees of Inisherin and Bullet Train? Did you go see these other original, fresh, non-superhero related content, especially Bullet Train, which is James's favorite movie of all time? Like, go support non-superhero stories. The numbers tell us you're not doing it because those movies aren't making money. I want Hollywood to make a billion non-superhero movies because I, I miss them too. But all I can do is go see them, which, which I'm a, trying to do. Well, the, and, and like movie-wise, theatrically-wise, we're in a weird time where superhero movies, Star Wars movies, John Wick movies. If you're not one of those, just don't bother being in a movie theater anymore. <laughs> like just go straight to streaming or like rent or something. Like right. that's where we're at. Like there's a couple of movies right now that aren't those genre movies that I want to go see. Again, I can't get out of the house as much to watch them. I want to go. I just can't. And it's like, I got to pick and choose what I'm going to go see. And so it's like, all right, well, I guess I'm going to go with this one because all the people that I would go to a movie with are going to go see this one over, you know, that little uh, indie film that I want to go see. That's, I mean, that, you know, that's, it is what it is. It, Superhero fatigue, Star Wars fatigue, franchise fatigue is real. Um, it's how you got to maintain it, and I think I do. I, I'll end it with this. Yeah, I think it's overplayed, but also I, I do think all those franchises at times have lost their way quality-wise. I think the Rise of Skywalker, which is a movie I I do enjoy, I think that's the biggest proof of. Get it out. Put it in the theater now. Like it's like, just shut up. George Lucas took three years to make prequels that everybody hated. You can do the same thing. Like just like just I I think quality control is big, and I think I do think Marvel and Star Wars are very very different franchises and should not be compared to in any way, shape, and form. But I I just think they all. I think Kevin Feige and I think he was stretched thin, and now I believe Iger has mandated that they slow down. I think that's the right thing. I think it's just like. Don't give me twelve B qual B grade superhero movies. Give me six A's. Yes. Give me six A's. Let me breathe in between. Like God. Like just give me a second so that I can catch up on those little independent movies that nobody will see with me, and then we can move on. So that's where I will leave that because superhero fatigue. Now I'm fatigued about talking about fatigue. It is it's fatiguing, wrong. but I mean, you know, don't vote for the party that you don't like. Vote for the other party. I only had time to watch one movie uh, a couple of weeks ago and it was between Shazam and Brother. So I went to go see Brother because I know that I'm probably going to enjoy it more than Shazam 2. So, Ouch. Yeah. All right, let's move on to a movie that we're both going to enjoy. Craven the Hunter starring Kick-Ass, Aaron Taylor. Because Hollywood's got three people. So it's only Aaron three. Taylor, who was in uh, Bullet Train, who was actually good at Bullet Train. I actually find him to be I don't know if I want to say underrated actor or underutilized actor. I actually kind of like Aaron Taylor Johnson. I think he's pretty talented. He's never in anything. He's got one of the better American accents. I one of my one thing that's really starting to annoy me, Andrew, is for uh, is you foreigners doing American accents because I can hear it a lot now. But then the other day I watched a movie where it was the reverse. It was American doing a British accent, and it was even worse. And I was like, oh, I don't even know what just. I don't understand. Anyway, acting is acting. I get it. But if you can't do it, you can't do it. Like if you're, act- 
if your accent's peeking out, just don't do the accent. Like, I still think Doctor Strange should have just been British. Like, just make him British. He moved to New York. Great. <laughs> Case closed. I don't like his American accent. He's, he kind of sounds like House, like Dr. House. Like, Hugh Laurie and him, they both have that, like, I'm doing an American accent. Like, that. it's just like, oh, my God. Clear your it's a little, throat. A little too perfect. Yeah, exactly. It's it's phone. It's phone. Anyway, whatever. I'm it's like trying to stand up too straight. Everybody slouches a little bit. Everybody's exactly. casual. So yeah, but it is what it is. Craven the Hunter's coming out. Aaron Taylor Johnson is uh, playing him. Russell Crowe was also in this movie, and Russell Crowe had an interview with uh, uh, was it CBR. Do, 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 do. CBR. Yeah, and he said, "I've talked with J.C. Chandler, the director. He's really excited about what he's got in front of him." Really excited about the way people will receive it, Russell Crowe teased. I think I can sort of pass on one of the things he said that it's it's just an unexpected, <laughs> an unexpectedly dark world. So he's kind of saying that this movie's going to be dark. We're not going to talk too much about this, but he's saying this movie's going to be a little bit dark. And I'm like, okay, great. What does that mean? Does it mean that they didn't light it? Was Morbius a dark movie? They didn't because, light like, it. Mor- <laughs> like, 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 I'm so like, I'm so sick of it. it's dark and brooding. Have they not learned? No, they haven't. Like, have they not learned that that's not what we're looking for anymore? It was like dark and gritty. Now it's dark. It's a dark place. Turn on the light. Show me what Craven looks like. I hope he wears fur. It doesn't look like he will. What is going on? Anyway, you I just read you that quote, and uh, what do you make of that nonsense? Listen, there's only one movie this year that's going to be talked about as the darkest movie of 2023, and that's The Little Mermaid. So let's get that out of the way right now. Yeah, we look dark, though, right? <laughs> like, I know there's, there's no like... lights under the sea, but come on, guys. It's a uh, Disney movie. There's lights <laughs> under the sea in a Disney movie. I hate um, these live. Sorry, Andrew. These live action yeah. remakes are getting so bogus. Like Get it. just like, like <laughs> you're being generous, uh, so, sir. It's like okay, you know what? I don't watch The Little Mermaid for a realistic looking crab singing. I look for Sebastian to look like the damn thing from the cartoon. Give it to me the way I want it. God, stupid. Anyway, Craven. Well, to segue that, yeah, Little Mermaid has something in common with Craven, which is aside from being super dark, that at no point have I ever had any inkling to see it. And this is coming from a guy who loves Spider-Man and Spider-Man's world and Spider-Man's villains. Uh, but I mean, Venom is a Spider-Man villain, Morbius is a Spider-Man villain, and Sony really just is kind of 0 for 3. And I mean, they're all, all three of those are not necessarily trash. I mean, there's way worse movies you could watch, but none of them really leave any kind of impact and it feels like it's just more of the same with Craven. Like the granted you haven't heard much from the people who made Craven, but one thing I have definitely not heard from the people who are making Craven, and that includes like Amy Pascal or whatever, is I have not heard anybody from that corner say we understand where we went wrong with Venoms and Morbius. We're going to rectify that moving forward. You have there's never once been an admission of like, hey, we can do better. It's just been like, here's the next one of these. I don't think they went wrong on Venom because Venom was a hit and Venom 2 was a hit. So I don't think they went wrong. I mean, you could 
critique the movie and whatever, but I just think financially, I don't think anything went wrong. I think Morbius is another story. It was a weird one. Then they brought it back in the theater because the memes were so big and it bombed twice in the theater. That's so that one, that one you could take a learning. learning I from. really hope somebody makes like, you know, remember the movie, the disaster artists with the Franco brothers yeah. about the yeah, room. Yeah. Somebody needs to make that, but about the making of Morbius. Cause I feel like that is going to be the most interesting story of like this decade. Is just what went on making what? that film. Morbius. All right, Craven the Hunter. Uh, I look. I'm with you. This wasn't a movie I want, but Craven's a great character. I always liked Craven a lot, but I, I really would have preferred to see Craven utilized in Spider Man or something. But and also, like you said, like these movies have sucked so bad. They're not so, like I actually liked. I love Venom, and I love. Okay, I love Carnage, so I force myself to like let there be Carnage, even though it's he's so used poorly in that, but. Anyway, I I want I want to have faith in this movie. I don't think I can. I just like when I saw some of those leaked photos, it's just there's nothing about it that's making me believe it's good. And calling something dark just I don't think it is what what Russell Crowe thinks it is anymore. It's like I'm so sick of dark. What does dark mean? Is it gritty? Is it like is it like it could be really like it could be dark and really good dark, but it could also be a terrible dark with no lights. And it could maybe it just it goes too far, or it's just like you're like that one. Like Batman, I know people love Batman Returns, but that movie goes a little bit too far at times. The penguin bites someone's nose. Like it just it's, it gets like it goes a little bit too dark. Like so, where is this movie? And I don't. I just I have zero faith in the Craven movie. And this is coming from someone who gave Morbius a six out of ten on the YouTube and I can never take that back. <laughs> like it's on YouTube. I can never take it back. That's it. It's I, locked in. I also said I would buy it for $6. I've never seen it for $6. I've never looked for it, but I've never seen it for $6 and it's free on Amazon prime with a prime membership, which I have, and I still haven't watched it. So I, <laughs> I could be a liar, but again, like I, I, if the trailer, how about this? Let me ask you this. If the trailer for Craven looks decent, will you punch a ticket to Craven? I feel like I won't go to the theater to watch Craven. If the trailer looks decent, I might wait for it to come out on streaming. But Craven's supposed to come out in October, right? And I mean, yeah. October is the time of year where if I go to the theater, there's probably two or three more interesting horror, like Fox Searchlight horror movies that I would much rather watch than Craven. Hmm. Uh, so that it's going to be the same deal like it was with Shazam. Shazam, I'll I'll happily watch at some point in the future, but at the theater, I'm like I am going to watch Brother because I, I would much rather see that right now and support that right now. So it's going to be the same deal that there's going to be you know, and horror kind of has a much smaller window of hype, right? It's not like a superhero movie where it's like you hear about it. 20 years later and in, in, in the case of black adam and you know when it finally comes out uh with horror it's like here's this trailer for something that we've never showed you before and it's coming out in two weeks right that's that's how they tend to roll with the smaller horror stuff so i can guarantee around halloween there is going to be something that i'd much rather put my box office dollars towards so yeah, sugar treat too yeah something anything scream seven might be out at that point yeah, yeah, right. their turnaround is so fast so, I think they like I think they like the uh, early 
couple months of the year for Scream. It seems they to do, be man. Late winter, is, it's their time yeah. to shine. They're dominating. Yeah, they don't uh, That's why we it. need Scream in the snow next time. Scream at a ski lodge. Wouldn't be surprised if that happens. All right. Uh, I'm getting rid of the next topic, Andrew. Let's move on to our final topic of the day. Super Mario Brother first reactions are in. We are going to go see this movie in a couple of days. We're seeing it later on than most people. I'll have a review on this channel sometime, either Friday night or Saturday morning. You'll get a review right here. I just refreshed Rotten Tomatoes. It was at 56% from 81 reviews. It is down to 55% from 83 reviews now. I did see, uh, I saw Christian Harloff out of theater reaction popped up. So I decided to take a little bit of that. He enjoyed the movie. He said, don't listen to the haters, whatever that means. Uh, and I'm going to go on here now. I'm going to read you a couple reviews, Fantasia, then we'll talk a little bit about them. Okay. This is from the Globe and Mail, which is right here in our hometown. Uh, the internet was right. Chris Pratt is all wrong as a title character in the Super Mario Brothers. That's the only thing, like. You can wow. read the full review, but if that's the blurb that Rotten Tomatoes is going to pick out. Oh, boy. I, I got to be honest with you. I can't stand Rotten Tomatoes. I understand that it's a review aggregator and blah, blah, Like, oh, well, 50%. That means 5 out of 10. That's not bad. I get it. But people put way too much weight on this. Yeah. Put more side. stock. Literally, you can put more stock in Letterboxd because it's the people saying what they love. I, I love Letterboxd. I go on Letterboxd all the time, and I, I give the most honest. Re- At first, I only review movies that I like. But I, I'm just honest in, uh, on Letterboxd. Like, if I liked it, I'm like, this is, I like this movie. You might not. <laughs> uh, Los Angeles Times says, mildly amusing, swift, noisy, and unrelentingly paced. So it sounds like it's, it's illumination. Uh, Film Inc. Australia uh, is a positive review. While the incredibly tired array of licensed music can cause more than a few eye rolls, the eye candy visuals. Lean and mean pacing. So this person liked the pacing, see? And otherwise fantastic soundtrack. Make for make for a bright and colorful voyage into the mushroom kingdom. Uh, let's go on to this negative one. Sadly, the fun is far too limited to the sugar high variety. Uh, where's another positive? Top critic here uh, from the Associated Press. None of this is likely to be enough for anyone to exclaim, oh yeah, while hopping up and down and doffing their cap. But it is an hour and a half's worth of super superlative marketing that will whet your appetite for more Mario back home. I'm oh great. I'm doomed. I I'm doomed. I play a lot of Mario Bros. Uh, <laughs> I'm looking for another top critic. Oh, a top critic uh, from Tron AA Dowd. All the pristine computer animation is akin to polishing well what Mario finds in pipes during his day. Not a fan. Uh, inverse with a pixel thin premise and a plot propelled by candy induced sugar rush. The super Mario brothers movie is an overstuffed 90 minute, colorful, inoffensive fun. 90 minutes of colorful, inoffensive. That sounds like Mario brothers playing the game. Uh, Detroit news. It's a sincere piece of children's entertainment based on a massively popular property. No more. And to its credit, no less. All right. Anyway, we got the gist. So it seems like, um, either you're going into this, negative already (laughs) or you're or you're going into it like already i i feel like if you're gonna like you're either gonna want to see the movie or you're not gonna like you're either gonna like it or you're not gonna like it is what i should say so um you heard what i you heard the bs that i just spewed to you one way or another 
are you concerned for the movie at all? Like hearing the negative, like it's 55%. It's only 83 reviews. Like that to me is, but it's harder for it to go up. 83 reviews, 55% as of this recording. Does that concern you going into the movie? The only thing I'm concerned about, uh, I mean, the Chris Pratt voice is what it is. Maybe it'll be fine. Maybe it won't. I don't care. But- I've heard two people say they liked it. Two okay, people. There you go. And, and, Chris Pratt honest, and Chris Pratt's mom. It no, it was James Gunn and Chris Pratt. Oh, okay. <laughs> James Chris Pratt's mom won't talk to me. <laughs> because I said he shouldn't voice more. Anyway, whatever. Go on. Yeah, that doesn't concern me. What concerns me is people are talking about pacing, and I think I understand what they mean because when you look at those trailers, James, there's so much beautiful stuff that's in those trailers, like Bowser laying siege to the castle kidnapping Luigi, whatever Luigi's subplot is, the encounter with Donkey Kong, all the, the, the go-karting that happens on a rainbow road. This movie looks like it's stuffed with stuff and it's only yeah. 90 minutes. Uh, when I found out the movie was that short, that's when I went like, ugh. Um, I get it, it's a kid's movie, they make them shorter and short movies can be fine. Hey, look, but- Pino- Pinocchio is 79 minutes. Yes, Dumbo it is. is like 61 minutes. But to so, be fair, Dumbo had like two minutes of plots that they just padded out with singing. Yeah, and five, minute, five minutes of pink elephants dancing. Yeah, this looks like it is bursting with plot. It's bursting with stuff that is happening. And I'm worried that, that it's going to feel very ADD. And, you know, you said if it sounds like it's an Illumination movie. I haven't seen a single Minions film because they look wretched, but I just don't want this to be what it looks like those movies are. Does that make sense? Everyone loves the Minion movies, though. Everyone under 12. No, <laughs> adults love the Minion movies. They do? They do. Adults love Minion movies, so I don't... Like in an ironic way? like cause No, they... adults are obsessed with, obsessed with Minions. I don't get it. I've never seen a Minions movie. I'm, adults are genuinely obsessed with... They sound like they're like Ewoks. They're like yellow Ewoks. Yeah. I don't I, I don't get it. Just from the trailers I've seen, like I obviously can't speak for the movies. I can't say they're garbage because I haven't seen them. But just from the trailers I've seen, it looks like you will like every adult will need a bottle of Tylenol after one of those movies is over. Like they just look atrocious, like just screaming for 90 minutes, slapstick and just you know, yellow things falling on top of other yellow things. So I just don't want Mario Brothers to resort to what I think those Minion movies are like. Uh, look, I'm a huge fan of Illumination's Grinch movie. I think I might be the only one, maybe one of five. Uh, I really, I actually genuinely enjoy it. I, I, and I watch it regularly now at, at Christmas time, not any other, but I really like it. So I have faith in this movie. Um, I could see it being like energetic and fun because it, it looks like that in the trailer. Like you get like that, like fast paced. I think kids are going to grow up, but I heard there's a lot of nostalgia thrown in there for like the old fans like us, like growing up with the games There's going to be a lot of like Easter eggs for us to watch and enjoy and appreciate in there. Yeah. And, and, and Mario games like Sonic games are fast by nature. Mario games are fast, but they're also a little bit slowed down. There's more purpose to them than a Sonic. I love Sonic games. I'm not putting it down, but there's more purpose to a Mario game than a Sonic game. Like, especially as time went on, it's like, find this clue like there's hidden treasures and gems and things to find and sonic has a little bit of those but it's more like get to the end fight robotnik move on let's go it's fast 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 this movie feels a little bit more like a sonic movie from the trailers 
Uh, but I'm hoping we get. I, I'm hoping we get a fun movie. I am. I mean, I I like this thing, but this isn't a Mario Brother movie. This is like Street Fighter is Street Fighter. This is not Mario Brothers. Like, there's something weird here. I'm not concerned with these reviews because I've found uh, a lot, especially with Ron, and that's why I tried to read a lot of the top critics to you because I find Rotten Tomatoes has kind of drifted from a respected source of reviews to anyone sitting on a futon wearing a Mario jersey can now do <laughs> a review. Do you know what I mean? Though it's it's like it it to to get into the to get a pass now to see a movie, to be a critic now, it doesn't take journalism skills. It doesn't take film skills. It takes, I have 200,000 subscribers on my YouTube channel. And that's what it takes. And I think I think movie reviews as a whole, and I'm not just saying that because it's negative. I say this for positive movies. It, 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 I think movie reviews as a whole have really, they don't mean as much. Like Roger and Ebert were so respect, or Roger and Ebert, <laughs> Ebert, Siskel and Ebert were so respected. They were journalists. They were film nuts. They were film educated. Roger Ebert wrote, what did he write? Children of the Corn, whatever. Like he wrote. <laughs> Not that one. <laughs> he wrote uh, The Valley of the Dolls. The Valley of the Dolls. <laughs> <laughs> I wish we lived in the world where Ebert wrote Children of the Corn. I, true story, in college, I emailed Roger Ebert and, and he emailed me back for an interview. It was, uh, it was fun. But like these are, yeah, it was. It was a, it was a good talk, but like so there these are like, they, like now it's like, you know if we had more subscribers and we went I mean you go to enough movies you could and you, but you have anyway there's this algorithm you face and now you can be certified a rotten you could be a rotten tomatoes reviewer and I just think it's taken a lot of the respect out of rotten tomatoes and that's why I don't like it so much anymore because I find uh, there's a lot of people in there that aren't that they don't know what they're talking about so why should I appreciate what they're talking about. I think you're better off for me. Um, I usually like to, to just watch a movie that I want to watch anyway, but like a Marvel movie, I'll ask like you or Brock, like somebody I know, or I'll find somebody online that I I'm like, I, this person I might not always agree with, but I understand where they're coming from. So I could watch a, a negative review from somebody and that might actually make me want to watch the movie because I'm like, well, I know I don't think like you, so I might enjoy this a little bit more than you did. Right. And there's those kind of things. But Rotten Tomatoes is just, I don't know. I just And it's like good and bad, good and bad. It's not always like that. There's sometimes there's some gray area to it. And I'm feeling like Mario Brothers might have some gray area to it. We'll see. We'll see. We're going to find out. We're going to find out. I'm a little disappointed um, that it's not 110% right now. I thought when they announced this movie that, they would do everything they you know what you know what it could have been andrew is they might have like this movie was like so far removed from the game that that now this one might be too too in the game like there just might be too much of the game in this one can you think went from one end of the spectrum to the other oh man could you imagine that that's what it's starting to sound like to me well i mean i'm curious about one thing and i'm also curious about it for that 1990s movie because I still have yet to see it. But, you know, unlike Sonic, Mario was really a blank slate. Like you and I have been playing Mario games since we were this high. Neither one of us, I think, could sit down and tell a person, here's what Mario's personality is, right? He's just the guy who hops around and says fun Italian things. So I'm really curious what kind of personality this movie gives Mario, what kind of personality that movie 
gives Mario. And if they work, you know, am I going to root for that guy? Am I going to root for Chris Pratt's Mario? You know, voice be damned. Is he going to be the kind of hero I would root for? And superhero fatigue people, this is a superhero movie. Because Mario's a hero and he's literally super. It's it's in the name. It's, it's funny that you brought that up because uh, Chris Pratt kind of said that too. He's like, we never knew anything about Mario. I'm like, no, yeah, true. But also in like the 80s, before this movie, like there was the Lou, Captain Lou Albano. Like there were shows. There was a Super Mario Bros. Super Show, Super Mario 3, Super Mario World. And 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 I was so obsessed with Mario Bros. I used to read the booklets that came, and they always yeah. gave like a story in them. Like there was always a story, and so I read those, and I read a lot of the Choose Your Own Adventure Mario games going up. And so like, while he, I think his personality has been lost in the last thirty years, but back then it was very distinct who Mario was. And I think to be honest, the beginning of this movie really captured who Mario was. Um, it loses it a lot, I think, but, <laughs> but, but the movie kind of under the movie understood Mario. I, I kind of understood it didn't, Luigi, not so much, but Mario, I think it really understood Mario in this movie. I'm, I'm being honest. And people will hate me because it's a positive about this movie. But I think the movie really did understand Mario quite a bit. And so I think, I think, I think I, I'm not gonna. I think in my mind, I have who Mario is based on not just this movie, but on the, everything that I've read and Captain Lou Albano, especially who was Super Mario in the, in the 80s. Like, that's Mario, right? It's like, so, so there is something. And, and I think what I've seen from this, though, is like they, they are plumbers, they play that song, and I think that's gonna be a big key. And they're, they're two brothers who, who will who love each other very much and will risk anything to be, to, for each other. And also the princess, who I guess is not getting kidnapped in this one because that is too, it's a modern film. Uh, Luigi's Mansion. They should make that out the second movie. Luigi's Mansion. That's what I'm saying. Um, okay, let's briefly talk about our final topic then. Let's briefly okay. go to that one, okay? Uh, let me just write this down. One, oh, two, one, two. Uh, Joker 2 is going to be a musical Lady Gaga Uh there's video of her singing. You can catch her singing. And then she's singing a song from, uh, she's singing a song, just a couple of swells, which is about, have you heard that song, Andrew? Are you familiar with the song? You Mr. Musical, you? No, I don't know a couple of swells. How's it go? Uh, Sing it. It's, no, it's about <laughs> two like bums down their luck. Uh, and it's just about them and they're going on these adventures, whatever. So Lady Gaga uh, has been overheard singing this song. And, She's also now, as you can see from the thumbnail of this video, spotted on the steps, the famous steps, steps from Joker 1. Uh, so it looks like everything's coming to a head on, like, the, the the world is colliding. It's something bigger here. What are your thoughts going into Joker Part 2? Well, I mean, my initial thoughts are, thank God somebody's finally telling a story about the Joker and Harley Quinn. Mm -hmm. Um... My, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm going into it pretty optimistic, I guess. I really liked the first Joker. Like, more importantly, I really liked the uh, the choice to make it retro, to make retro Gotham. It just, it really, it, that's my kind of story. Like, that is just my kind of dive into the world of Batman is through that lens. Uh, and even as a guy who is not a Joker fan, I enjoyed every second of it because of that, because it really took you to that place. 
And something about making it a period piece made it feel more otherworldly, which yeah. I, I can't stress enough. Gotham should never feel like planet Earth. Never, not even for a second. Uh, so that's what really kept me engaged. And of course, you know, King Phoenix did a pretty damn good job. So with this one, it, if it's more of that, cool. Um, I mean, I don't know if, I don't think I want this to become an ongoing franchise. Uh, I, I just feel like you're good. I think it's done after this. this one. Yeah, that seems fine to me. So I'm good with them throwing in Harley. And I like the choice of, even though I haven't heard this song, you're saying it's an old show tune from like an old play and it's called a couple of swells. swells. All right. So I like that they're going with that particular time period of music too. It sounds like this is a song that they would have sung in the 1930s. And James, if you look at well, it's Fred Astaire and Judy Garland or did it. Okay. So it's, Fred, it's, a, it's from Easter parade. So it's timely with right now. All right. Perfect. So it's a, it hovers around that era which is perfect because if you look at where arguably Joker and Harley were in their prime, which is the Batman animated series, what decade influenced that animated series the most, right? What decade of film, the late thirties, early forties. So that's a great match. That kind of music is perfect. When I heard this was a musical, I was like, I don't want the songs to sound like Lady Gaga songs. No, I don't think they would. Yeah. I, look, so, so, Well, yeah, like, and, so a, a swell is like someone wealthy and elegant and well off, right? Yeah. And, and and so, but the people singing it are not. They're like hobos. And I think the, and I kind of like that they're not doing original songs in this. Also, that they're using show tunes, and and I like the use of this one because I'm wondering if they're taking it literal swell, like their appearance or their mental state. Like mm-hmm. they're not they're not swell, right? They're they're um. They're far from swell, and then they're playing up on that. I'm kind of mocking it, and I'm maybe they sing on the stairs. I don't know. I, I I like the approach that they're taking to the music in this, based on this one song that we've heard. I will say from the stuff that I've seen, though, Walking Phoenix Joker looks like he's getting a lot more banged up and beat up, and I'm really, I can't, I I just can't in my mind figure out how they're going to. I know I like not how like obviously you can figure it out, but but how in this movie they're going to extend into the second, like go from the end of the first movie into this one. Does he escape Arkham? Does, is it still, because there's also like the people like it's all in his mind. It's all in his mind, right? Like the whole thing. And I'm, I'm really curious how they're going to play out. Like how he lives his life after the events of the first one. Like he can't just be free. There has to be something going on there. And, and obviously there's a trial. I don't know if there's a trial and there's a sign that says uh, Dent is the real Joker. So uh-huh. there's, there's a, yeah, there's a comment to Harvey Dent. Whether or not you see Harvey Dent or not in the movie, it remains to be seen. Come on, Billy D. Yeah, oh, that would be amazing. So they like, I think, I, I, I do, I think this is going to be the last Joker movie of this. I don't think Joaquin Phoenix will come back. I, I think, and I have a lot of faith in this movie because Joaquin Phoenix decided to come back. Obviously he loves playing the character, but I don't think he would, ruin his reputation as the joker for something weak and i think lady gaga even though you know she doesn't have a big resume of acting but she's the stars like i think she's respected enough that she wouldn't have done this if she didn't feel it was right either right there's there's pedigree 
all over, like across the board for these Joker movies. It's not, uh, it's not a cheap blockbuster comic book movie. There's a lot of art put into it. Uh, so much so that the subtitle is in French. Like you don't get more artsy yeah. than that. So, <laughs> so they true. are, they're pulling out all the stops in that regard. So I'm, I'm cool with this. I'm cool with seeing what they do with it. And I like that the, I like this song choice already. Um, and the first one had that great little moment where you find out a lot of the stuff is happening inside uh, Arthur Fleck's mind. So I'm curious to see how they double down on that and play with that here, because we all know Harley is not the poster woman for being sane either. So there's a lot of fun to be had. Yeah, I can't wait. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. All right, that will do it for this episode of Super Tuesday. Andrew, thanks for joining me today. Thank you very much. And if you want to join my brain at all, if uh, if you find me entertaining at all, you can check out my books right here. We Were Wizards on Amazon. You can get them right now. These are the hardcovers, but you can get uh, eBooks and paperbacks as well. Uh, and this is uh, the first one is the purple one. And the second one is this silver one right here. You can find those on Amazon right now. So check it out. We Were Wizards. Uh, it's a fantasy adventure. Lots of old school fun stuff inspired by Star Wars, inspired by Lord of the Rings, inspired by Kurosawa, all that greatness. Get yours. I got mine. They're on eBay. Thank you. Everybody. eBay. <laughs> My copies are on eBay, but you can get them on Amazon. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for watching. Give us a like and subscribe. And until next time. May you be the master of your own universe.